0: Larry, I'm so glad that you're you're here with us today. And what many of you may not know is that he's been part of the leadership at this church, really from the very first service on. So before we really get into it, I got to ask you kind of a personal question. With 40 years of history, you have to have a ton of relationships. Are are there any that
1: you need to come clean with? (sighs) Well, um, I won't mention any names, um, but my daughter is uh, sleeping with the senior pastor. And, um, and she seems to not have any problems sharing that with 55,000 people. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So your son-in-law is the senior pastor. Um, how do you deal with nepotism? Uh, well, first of all, I didn't hire the guy. <laughs> so yeah, but in all reality, we're both glad that, that he's the senior pastor here. Sure, yeah. So yeah. let's, let's start with this uh, elephant in the room. 2021 COVID canceled everything for everyone. I don't think that hit anyone harder than you and the missions team. How did you guys
1: rethink missions? Well, first of all, God showed up uh, in a big way in my life, um, perhaps like no other time. And so, and I have to thank COVID for that. Um, You know, God has a way of showing up in the middle of chaos and disruption and taking something like that and turning it into good. And for me, it really allowed me to spend time with him um, in prayer and fasting and uh, studying um, and just talking with leaders around the world. And so I really wanted to try to discover what God had in mind for the future of missions at CCB. And so for, for me, Mark, it was more than a, a rethinking. I think it was, it was really more of a rediscovery. What, so what,
0: rediscovering, what did you rediscover about the mission of God?
1: yeah so obvious question and um, the first thing I discovered is it's not my mission it's not right CCB's mission, it's not any church's mission it's it's truly all about the mission of God and from as you know from Genesis to revelation uh, his mission has not changed and uh, and and it never will and so the the one mission that he has is to to glorify mm. himself that's and good so, he has a plan, and I am more enthusiastic about what God is about to do right here at CCV and around the world than any time that I can recall. And so, so when I think back, my, my biggest discovery was probably it, it came in the tiniest form. It it you know you spend so much time trying to seek God's will and understand His His wisdom, and and then all of a sudden something pops out. And for me, it was uh, it was the Little lowercase s at the end of, of missions. Mm. And adding that s at the end of missions could have a, a profound, eternal difference for billions of people.
0: Oh, okay, you got to unpack that because we've got God's mission to glorify himself and then our missions. And you're saying that that little s makes a big difference for billions. What, what does that mean?
1: Well, we have to be clear about our words and how we use them. So first of all, when we use the term mission, um, that's what God is doing in the world. And that's everyone focused if you're a believer. And it refers to what the, the task that God has for the church to go out into the world. Now missions is a subset of that. And so missions is very calling focused. And it's the application of mission in a very specific context usually uh, in a cross-cultural setting. Okay. So, uh, for example, if I engage in mission in my neighborhood or my community, uh, the missionary engages in missions uh, when they are called to serve somewhere in the world, usually in a cross-cultural uh, context. Okay, so you didn't just make that up. you, you
0: founded that in scriptures. Un- unpack for us just a little bit. What are the scriptures that brought you
1: to that conclusion? Yeah so so first of all, the realization that we have at CCV such a caring and generous church uh, when it comes to loving God and loving people right and, uh, and that's, that's the great commandment. So in, in mark 12:3031 30, we can see where uh, it says to love your Lord." with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself, and these are the greatest commandments, and so we, we do that uh, in a way that I, I think is a demonstration of our love of God and love of people, so we demonstrate that every time we go out and we help the poor or the oppressed or we serve in our community, and we continue to do that so many ways in our city, yeah. and so having said that though, I think we we, we may need to work on uh, the Great uh, Commission. And by that I mean um, when we see what Jesus said to his disciples on his uh, final days on earth in Matthew twenty eight nineteen and 20, it says to, he, he told them to go therefore and make all disciples into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit uh, and teaching them everything to a, I have I have commanded you. So we have to remember that that Jesus has provided this instruction at a time soon after His resurrection and before He ascended. And um, and this, these are important words that He's right. leaving us. And by the way, that's it's not only there; it's found in other places in Scripture. And so, and we need to do both. We need to demonstrate. And proclaim, because if you really look at each one of those passages, there's a, there's a proclamation that he's telling us to do to all the nations. So love God, love people, that's our demonstration.
0: The great commandment is our proclamation. Mm-hmm. What if we
1: miss the proclamation piece? What happens? Uh, bad things, bad things happen. Um, you know, I've run the numbers on this, and uh, if we don't get this right, there's about 3.3 billion people who will never hear about the love of God and are right now facing a a Christless eternity? Wow! And um, and I can't I can't live with that. We shouldn't be able to live with that. So both proclamation and demonstration are are so important. Yeah. So th- we
0: get that proclamation demonstration. Both pieces are essential. Um, you've been you've been consulting missionaries around the world to mm-hmm. come up with this definition of mission. Can you just cuz we've not been thinking about it. Yeah. Can you give us a concise definition of missions?
1: Yeah, and that's and I really wanted to do a good job on this and so I really tried to to put what I think missions is in in one sentence. And I believe missions is fulfilling the great commission inspired by the great commandment so that the great multitude will stand before God, every nation, tribe, people, language, to glorify God. Mm -hmm. So in my analytical mind, I I took these three pieces and um, and put them together. So we, we have the Great Commission, we have the Great Commandment, so the only question is why. Why will we do these things? And I think we find the answer to that in Revelation 7, 9, when God tells us the end of the story. And so, in other words, the why behind God's mission. And so if we look at Revelation 7, 9, it says that after I looked and therefore before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Not people from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. And so I kind of put this little uh, formula together. Uh, my daughter made this T-shirt Okay, GC1 plus GC2 equals GM. Yeah, so I'm not a math scholar, but, but first of all, that, that stands for GC1 is the great commission. Okay. GC2 is the great commandment. And the sum of that is the what. And it's the why of the great multitude. That's what GM stands for. So if, if we will be with that great multitude someday, glorifying God, and so that's the why. So you, you mentioned earlier that God is on the move today like never before. That, that's a bold statement, like never before. Can, yeah. you, can you prove that? Well, it's such a great question. It's obvious. And so as I began to, to study this, um, what was going on in, in the world, it was obvious to me that as a Christ follower, I was convinced we live in the greatest history, time in history right now, Mark. And, and for two reasons, first of all, there are eight billion people on the planet Earth. Wow. And so if we put this in perspective, um, at the time of Jesus' birth, the entire Earth's population was around 300 million. And in the region where Jesus' ministry took place, there were about 45 million. And so this, this graph that almost looks like a hockey stick amazes me every time I, I look at it. It took the entirety of the human history from the beginning up until around 1800, uh, for the world's population to reach one billion. Right. Now, the next billion only came a hundred years later. Wow. And so that's when my mom was born in 1927, right? And when I was born, the population uh, accelerated to three billion and 5 billion when my daughters were born, and 6 billion when my grandkids were born, and now here we are 22 years later with 8 billion people on the planet Earth. So my, my first response is that as Christ followers, we should feel compelled to, to go to the entire globe. Uh, because There's never been a time in history when things have been easier than they are right now. You know, at, at no other point in history have we had the ability to reach as many people through, well, through technology and media and just the access to knowledge, just to educate ourselves. Uh, and God is on the move. He's positioned us to be here right now. Second, um, I think what's happening in the world right now um, uh, particularly in Africa and Asia and South America, it's, it's unprecedented. And, and as you know, Mark, God began to scatter Christians uh, in Jerusalem. Um, after the, the temple was destroyed, Jews and Christians um, left, and they went out today, or went out then, witnessing to God um, in places all around the world, uh, particularly in Europe, as they went on to Rome and Ephesus, Corinth, and Carthage. And we read Uh, how the Great Reformation uh, movement took place. And so here we are today witnessing what God is doing on the move again on a massive scale. And so the center of Christianity is not in the U.S. Hmm. The first uh, half of our century, the U.S. played a vital part in missionaries around the world. But today, the center of Christianity is in Africa. 700 million Christians are in Africa. That's twice the number of population of the United States and that's assuming if the population of uh, that's assuming if we were all Christians right which we're not and so many millions of those Africans are they want to do one thing they want to leave they want a better life and so they're they're moving into Europe and into Africa or into the US and to other places in the world. So Christianity is bringing spread today just like it was back uh, in Jerusalem. In terms of China every day There's a train from Beijing that arrives in Germany. And Chinese have built railroad systems on massive scale over the last 10 years. And so the face of a country like Germany is changing. It's changing to Chinese. Now, not every one of those are Christians, but many are. South America is also moving and moving into the U.S. And so today, the U.S. is a more... Globally diverse country than any other country in the world. There's no other country can make that claim. Mm. So, what should the church do about that as they're coming? That that's that's a question we're going to have to deal with. And, and really,
0: that's what you're trying to address through the missions here at CCV. And the way you've laid it out, I think this is brilliant. Here, near, far. Yeah. So we've got missionaries in here, near and far that describe to us. How
1: many mission partners do we have and where are they? Yeah, so first of all, a snapshot, we have 74 mission partners and uh, 27 of those are in the here category. Now those are within the reach of our campuses. We call that our Jerusalem. Yeah, here in the valley. Yeah, now okay. what's interesting about that is the 27 are on our website and many of those mission partners, our church can go and serve. We, we have hundreds of people now serving in those 27. So, so
0: people could do missions and be home for dinner
1: yeah awesome the near part is defined outside of that in uh outside in terms of the u.s we also include mexico because mexico is so close there are 17 of those and then far there are 30. so that makes 74 and they're spread out all over the globe um in five different continents um as you can see on the graph well so this is going to be an unfair question
0: because we have 27 here partners that people could participate with on a weekend or weekday. Yeah. Can you tell us just one of those?
1: Yeah, yeah, which baby do I throw out, right? Yeah. So, yeah. the first one, um, well, the one that comes to mind is the one that's closest to me because of involvement, and that's Streetlight. Um, in 2009, um, I was asked to try and find an issue in our city that we could address and solve, and so we had this list and on that list was a line item that said, child sex trafficking. Mm. And so I never thought that that would ever make the cut because after all, that couldn't be a big problem in our city, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, um, but in the research, I was able to do some ride-alongs with the Phoenix Vice Squad, was able to do a ride-along with the, with the FBI during the basketball tournament, and what I saw rocked my world. So we would pull up on this, this teenager uh, dressed with tennis shoes, jeans, white t-shirt and a backpack, nothing what I thought. Normal kid. Yeah. And, uh, the undercover agent would roll the window down and said, Hey, you're looking for a date. And before I knew it, there's a 14 year old sitting in the back seat with me. Mm. And so here's a young kid that got in the back of a car with three men. And, uh, and that's, that was happening all over our city. And the research showed that it was happening, hundreds of kids involved in this. And so we had to do something at that point. Right. Um, we had to uh, take action. And so we, we formed Streetlight. Uh, we rallied the churches in Phoenix, was able to purchase some, some great property. And the organization has evolved where hundreds of kids have gone through Streetlight and have been healed. And so, um, and so th- that's an example of one. Okay. Yeah. Amazing what God is doing. Okay. I'm going to ask you another unfair
0: question. Can you choose one of our 17 near
1: partners? Give us a snapshot what that looks like. Well, one mission is an example. In fact, okay. we have, we have people there this weekend on a trip. Wow. Yeah. In Mexico. In Mexico. And so uh, one mission is an example of near. They, um, they provide housing to the most poverty-stricken people, uh, many of these people are living in cardboard boxes that are wired together mm. and so providing them with shelter and a good home is the first step in alleviating poverty. It's a strat- strategy that's, that's used. And so one mission provides that and they provide a very rewarding trip for us to go on or people to go on to actually go down and side by side with the people that are living in these cardboard huts, build them a home and, um, and, and help them see the love of God and the love of people in, in our trips. I know this is hard because you could've talked about
0: prison ministry, you could've talked about mm. homeless ministry, you could've yep. talked about medical clinics, yep. all here and near. Yep. One more unfair question. Yep. Of the 30 FAR mission
1: partners, give, give us a snapshot of just one of those. Well, you like said, "There's, there's many. In fact, we have another team that's there right now. They just landed the on Thursday in Austria. Okay, A great trip. Um, check the website out if you ever wanted to go to Austria. But the one that comes to mind is uh, Missions of Hope in Nairobi, Kenya. We, we call it Mohi. Um, it's an important strategic partner of ours. Mary and Wallace Kamau are such close friends. Mary is visiting the U.S. right now and They're staying at your house, staying, staying at our house." Um, I chair Mohi in the U.S. and um, and so I'm on the board there. And it's also a good example of where we've taken other mission partners, uh, like Stadia Church Planting, who does an amazing job in planting churches around U.S. and the globe. And so they've joined forces with Mohi. So now we are providing a church and a education for for kids and families in you know that live in Mohi, um, and they strive you know to 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 eliminate extreme poverty in Kenya, and now into Liberia, so that uh, these people have a chance.
0: I know, I know that Mary and Wallace, they're, they're great people. I, I wish every one of you could meet them. They're, they really are like the Apostle Paul of our day.
1: Yeah, 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 and so they are. In fact, um, I was able to sit with them in a Zoom interview a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and talk with them, so hey, watch this. Marion Wallace, uh, you have been a blessing to CCV for so many years now, and you are the directors and president of Missions of Hope in Nairobi, Kenya. Can, can you give us uh, maybe an overview of Missions of Hope and uh, a little bit about you and, and Wallace? Yeah, Missions of Hope is a Christian
2: NGO uh, which uh, is working among the disadvantaged communities And uh, we have uh, a four-pronged approach where we have education of the next generation. We have economic empowerment uh, of the parents of uh, the children that are in our schools and other community members. And uh, we have uh, regeneration whereby we are reaching out to the people with the gospel, and uh, we have restoration through the health ministry.
3: Today, we are working in 30 different locations, that means 30 schools, and we have 22,678 children.
1: What, what kind of growth do you expect over the next 10 years?
2: Yeah, we have uh, this god size um, dream where we are hoping that by the year 2030, that they uh, will be in a uh, hundred locations, And that means that uh, we will have a hundred schools and uh, we will have planted a hundred churches and with an enrollment of a hundred thousand children all sponsored in uh, those a hundred schools.
1: Great. So uh, help us with what the conditions are like there in the Mathari Valley.
3: Mathari Valley uh, being uh, one of the oldest slums Actually in Africa, uh, it has over 800,000 people in an area of about half a mile wide, three miles long. And that means that people are kind of packed on top of each other in this community. Uh, You'll find that a family of six to eight children will own a small shanty of about uh, eight by 10 feet. And that's where the dad and the mom If they have both parents and the children we live, that is their kitchen, that is their sitting room, that is their bedroom, it's everything. Of course, they have no bathrooms inside their houses. Uh, They all use common bathrooms and they have to pay to even use the bathrooms. And you find very deplorable conditions of poverty in this community where there is uh, open sewer uh, running, uh, you know, down from the upper side down to the river of Madaré, uh, And uh, when it rains, it is even worse. Uh, there is no running water, there is no electricity. Uh, if people are going to have electricity, it would have to be illegal connection and people will fetch water with 20 liters jerrycans cans uh, to be able to get water that they can use even in their homes.
1: Mm. And so when did you start? Missions of Hope, and and I guess uh, another question is why?
2: Yeah, we started Missions of Hope in the year 2000, uh, and uh, we have been working in the slums of Matare uh, since the time we were in college. And um, when uh, we got married in 1995, God impressed on our hearts on the need to do more work And uh, it was not until the year 2000 that God made it so clear that uh, the way to go is actually to work with the entire family. And uh, starting with the children, bringing them to schools, the children would give us access uh, to the families and eventually to the communities. And uh, that is what uh, drove us to start Missions of Hope International.
1: My next question is... um... Could you share with us a success story? And uh, uh, could you share the success story of Jane? Uh, Jane was a, a young girl of six years old when Sheila and I, my wife, um, decided to sponsor her. Could you maybe just share a quick uh, history of her, of her life?
3: We met Jane when we, when we started a new school in a uh, in Navy called Kosovo. And Jane happened to be one of the luckiest, luckiest children in that community to be part of the first eight children. That was in the year 2007. And then, uh, you know, later, uh, Larry and Sheila picked Jane and became, their, became her sponsor. And over the years, Jane went through our primary school, then she went to our high school, which is called Josca High School. And during that time, Jane's mother ended up starting to live with another man as a husband. And then they were, you know, the Jane's mother was actually drunkard. She used to drink a lot of the alcohol, the local brewed alcohol called Shanga. And, uh, And then, and so it's like, if Jane wasn't able to be considered to be in our school, her life would have been much worse. Of course, through Jane, we were able to start working with the family. We got her siblings into our school. And as of today, Jane is working as our mentor for the camp. We recently started a Gaza camp, a discipleship camp for our sixth graders. And Jane is one of our mentors. She's a role model. She's a great leader. And I can't wait to see what the future has for Jane, even much more than she's already doing.
1: That's fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, one last question. How, how can we pray for Missions of Hope and for Marion Wallace?
3: Be praying that God will uh, continue to give us wisdom as we lead in this ministry, and also as we continue to develop new leaders and more leaders to work in these new communities that God is taking us.
1: Great. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, may God continue to expand your territory and bless you. Thank
2: you.
0: Thank you. Can you sense that God is on the move? He's doing something today that they will be talking about for centuries. And so, Larry, i just got to ask you, what do you see 2020 bringing in missions?
1: Yeah, I see 2022, we'll keep doing the things we do well. We're going to get trips back on track. Um, We've got 40 trips planned, and it seems like every week there's a a new one um, being identified. We're going to focus on medical trips this year, trying to get our medical sector population at CCV involved because it's such a huge, valuable resource that we've we've not used in the past. And so a new podcast is starting. Um, we're going to do more and more church plants, and of course, a major focus in twenty twenty two is is uh, on reaching the unreached and keeping that little S and missions alive. And you know, here, here's what that means, Mark. Um, we've talked about the world population being at seven point eight. Uh, 3 billion. Um, 3.3 billion is uh, in this category of unreached and unengaged. Mm. That's 42 percent of the world's population have less than 2 percent access to Christians. Um, We've talked about the Great Commission and going and making disciples. Of that 3.3 billion, there's about a billion almost, approaching a billion, of a category called unengaged. And these are people that have no access to the gospel. Mm. There are no Christians in their people group. They have no access to a Christian. And so we're going to, we're going to be working with groups like Team Expansion, uh, Quenched, our, our homegrown organization here in, in our CCV, um, Good News Production, MOHI. And uh, we're going to be working with them to shift focus and resources to, to supporting organizations like that to, to reach that, those people groups. So we have a strategy to reach the unreached. Now,
0: this yes. is gonna surprise any of you. Larry measures everything. So what is what is your metric for success in missions at CCV?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's similar to the things we keep an eye on here at, in our church. Uh, it's impacting, is impacting the world. And so we polled our, our 74 mission partners and kind of asked them, give us a report in 2021. Uh, what the impact was, and in terms of baptisms, attendance, and and then church plants, and and here's the report we got. So, first of all, in 2021, there were 55,423 bab- baptisms. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the average <laughs> weekly attendance of the combined is 624,000, and church plants 4,133. That's not so, a typo. Yeah. So. Wow. So, but but what's important here, Mark, is is the is I don't, I don't think our people realize the impact that they're having around the world. And it's, it's, it's important to go as missionaries that we support, but it's equally important for senders. And you are senders. And so because without you, the goers wouldn't go. And I also know that CCV is some of the biggest um, supporters of, of these organizations. And if CCV's support went away, those numbers would go down. That's incredible. Okay, one last question. What keeps
0: Larry Fraley up at night with excitement?
1: Well, the, the little less excites me, but, <laughs> but I think living out the, the Great Commission, inspired by the Great Commandment, will allow us to stand in that great multitude someday with every tribe, nation, people, language, as we stand before God and glorify Him. And that's, that's something we don't want to miss. Larry, thank you
0: for leading the charge for our church in missions with a little S. Um, I'm not gonna ask you guys to give thanks to Larry for what he's doing. I am gonna ask you to join me in giving thanks to God for Larry yes. doing it in our midst. Could you yeah. give him on all our campuses, thank them. Larry, thank you, my brother. God, God bless you. <clears throat> so here's, here's our call to action. Uh, If you'll look at this little QR code, you can pull out your phone and just take a snap of it. If you don't have your phone, you can text uh, missions to seven twenty twenty. it's, we want to provide you a website that is quick, easy access for next steps for all of us, whether you're watching online or whatever campus, here's the, here's the first next step for all of us. Pray for our missions. Look through the 74 partners that we have. Maybe you would pick one and just put them consistently on your prayer list. Second thing, as you go to that website, you're gonna notice there are trips opening up and there will be more continue to open up through this year. Maybe it's time for you to consider going on a trip. Remember, there's trips right here in the valley, ways you can serve a mission partner that touches people from around the world and get home for dinner. The third thing that you might want to notice, if you have enjoyed the information that you've gotten here today, we've only scratched the surface. And this podcast is going to keep going through our different mission partners. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, I've listened to the first one, it's it's really good. You, You will be informed week over week of what God is doing here, near, and far. And we want to take this mission that is so big and so broad and bring it home to you. So right now on your campus, your host is gonna come out and talk about their own mission experience, and then we're gonna have a time of prayer over communion for our mission partners. Welcome your host.